Welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim, your host. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays that feature African-Americans up front and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today, it is my pleasure to highlight an organization that advocates for all artists in New York City, the New Yorkers for Culture and Arts. My guest today is the executive director of the organization, Lucy Sexton. Welcome, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. It's, it's great to be here. Yeah, I am so glad you are here. I had the privilege of moderating a panel that you had for the candidates for city council. And that's when I got introduced to your organization. And when I did a little research, I was like, more people have to know about you, uh -huh. your organization and what you do. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. Your, your uh, moderating of that forum was fantastic, which will be no surprise to anyone who watches your show. Um, but it can be a tricky thing, moderating yes. candidates and they're talking and they want to talk longer. And um, you did a beautiful job and, um, and we really appreciated you doing it for us. Thanks. Okay, thank you. So let's just get started. Uh, how old is New Yorkers for Culture and Arts? And tell us how that organization came to be. Sure. Um, it is three years old, and uh, it was formed actually with the uh, from the merger of two previously existing advocacy organizations, which sometimes when I hear the word advocacy, I think people don't really know what that means. So there was a group called New York City uh, Arts Coalition. Um, it was really a small organization, but they would get uh, the leaders of cultural organizations together and go up to Albany on Arts Day and meet with their representatives and, you know, meet and, 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 and advocate for funding a lot at the state, but also at the city level. Um, and then there was another organization called 1% for Culture, and they were formed before the last mayoral election in order to get the mayoral candidates at that time to commit to spending 1% of the city's budget on arts and culture. Um, so both of those uh, organizations had kind of uh, were kind of fading, and so the decision was made to merge them together and to form this new coalition called New York City. What I mean, what is it called, Lucy? New Yorkers for Culture and Arts. Uh, awesome, awesome. So tell our audience about you, who you are, and how you became involved with the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah I am first and foremost a, an artist. I grew up in Brooklyn and I trained as a dancer um, from when I was a kid and <laughs> took dance class all over Brooklyn and uh, did it in college. And I formed a dance and performance company um, in my twenties and have run that company and still, still work as a sometimes performer, sometimes director, sometimes I've produced some documentaries. So that's my first place is, is as a working New York artist. Um, and then I, uh, I ran the uh, New York Dance and Performance Awards. Um, so they're called the Bessies. But in my doing that, I kind of built that organization. And in doing that, I really got more of a sense of what the scope of the, you know, not just my own work, but the scope of the field is in New York. And so when this job came up, I thought that's exactly what I want to do is build an organization that's not just dance, but that is all the different disciplines in all the different neighborhoods in every borough. 
um, and try and get uh, develop a, a, an arts and culture ecosystem in New York that really uh, acknowledges and supports and lifts up um, artists and arts groups in in every neighborhood. So and make sure that they get the funding and support that they need to exist. Mm -hmm. um, so um, yeah, I was just fascinated by it and and invested in it and I'm passionate about it. So we've been building uh, the organization for these past three years and it's, it's going well. That's good. It's good. And it's, it's good to know that you are an artist too. So you come to it with that perspective, not just somebody outside coming in, but you've actually experienced it and you know what the issues are firsthand in terms of what needs to be advocated for. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Tell our audience a little bit about some of the specific advocacy work that you do. Sure. Um, you know, you said that I know about what it is to be an artist and it's true, but I know what it was, what it is to kind of be a white artist that was working in the sort of downtown Manhattan kind of space, you know, and what I really am excited about in terms of this work is opening my own mind and opening up the, the city's mind to the real breadth of culture that happens across uh, the city. It's something that I, I was doing with the Bessies and then I'm doing now. So, um, but yes, it is. It does help to have be rooted in what it is to actually work and create art in the city, um, and the uh, the efforts we are making now. I'll talk about our current efforts because we are in a crazy season, which is both what's called the budget season, which are the months between January and June when the city council and the mayoral administration wrestle with and put together a budget for next year, which will start in July. Um, so that's a time when everyone, you know, tries to meet with their council member and testify at city council hearings in order to, uh, you know, demonstrate the work that they do and the benefit that cultural organizations bring to our neighborhoods, you know, to our communities, to educating our kids, to keeping our seniors engaged, to, um, you know, the, uh, there's a program in the city called NEON, um, Neighborhood Outreach Network. Um, which has an extraordinary, it's actually funded by the Department of Probation, and it has an extraordinary success rate in partnering with local uh, cultural organizations, engaging youth between, I think, 16 and 24 years old who have gotten involved with the criminal justice system, getting them engaged with, you know, arts and culture, and they have a, a, like a 99% success rate in those young people disengaging from criminal justice and actually pursuing different pursuits. And so um, anyway, I'm just a, a, a real advocate and real, I really want to amplify that, that the benefits of arts and culture are real and particularly important in a, on a community level. So this is the budget season when we try and make that case and tell our city council people um, that they need to fund it and uh, support it. So yeah. Um, and then that you mentioned, which is why this season is so crazy, that this is also an election season um, because the June primary on June 22nd will um, really help determine who will be running our city. And this election, this year, um, three quarters of the city council is term limited. So next year we will have a three quarters brand new city council and a new mayor and new borough presidents and a new comptroller. And so it's gonna be a big shift in city government. So we've been doing as much work as we can with the forums and um, to have those candidates get to know us and of course us to get to know them. Oh, that's awesome. So since you mentioned the forums, let's tell the audience a little bit more about them. Like, 
you know, who's been on your forms, what kind of forms are they, how did they start and what, you know, are your goals in having these forms happen? Yeah, great question. Um, We actually did a a mayoral forum and it's on our website, you can go and watch it. Um, We did it in April and we had 17 (laughs) candidates uh, on, which was also really inspiring, right? Um, you know, to see Paperboy Love Prince, as well as Eric Adams, as well as, you know, uh, you know, the, the top runners that we see now coming to the top of the field. Um, and uh, it was hosted by Anna Glass of Dance Theater of Harlem um, and Luis Miranda. Um, and so it, that, was, that was a terrific sort of kickoff to this. And then because the city council is so important in funding arts and culture, we thought we have to get to know these (laughs) candidates and they have to get to know us. So we did eight different candidate forums um, covering about three to four city council districts each. And we tried to cover the city council districts that we knew would be turning over. Um, And we developed uh, questions um, that tried to say, give a lot of data. I mean, you had to read them out so you know what they were like. Um, the questions themselves gave a lot of data and information about the impact of arts and culture and then asked them how they would you know, respond accordingly. So, um, so yeah, our effort really was to um, obviously first and foremost to get to know the candidates, um, but also to you know, hear what they had to say about arts and culture and for them to get to know us and the arts and culture field in New York, people like yourself, they should know know us. (laughs) That's awesome. I think it's really amazing that you do that because when you see the political camp candidates campaign and they talk about all the issues, you rarely hear them talk about culture and arts. So when you do get them involved in your forums, um, is it easy to get them involved or do you have to keep pushing for them to kind of pay attention to culture and arts? I mean, is that a challenge for you or? I actually found the uh, city council candidates much more informed. And -hmm. then there are a lot of people who come from the arts who are running, which is also inspiring. So that's great. Um, But yes, I thought the level of conversation and the depth of ideas and knowledge about arts and culture in the city council candidate pool was much higher than in the mayoral one. And, you know, it's, 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 it's baffling to me and it's part of my mission you know, arts and culture before COVID generated $110 billion in -hmm. economic activity for New York City. Mm -hmm. Our electeds constantly like to say, oh, arts and culture are great and New York is coming back. I'm like, yeah, but you have to (laughs) treat us like we are um, one of your major industries because we are, you Mm -hmm. know? And so that's, that's a little frustrating. Um, I think that they still view it as something that's nice, but not you know, that important, not as important as meeting with, you know, industry leaders. And I'm like, well, we are actually right, right, <laughs> part right. of the industry of New York City. So yeah, and a major industry, because when we have tourists come in, whether they go, they go to Broadway, right. they go to see shows. Um, there's, you know, we're known for being an arts town. So, you know, we really should be like really at the top of the list, because everything else kind of trickles down. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we are arts and culture are the number one driver of tourism. Exactly, exactly. So uh, your organization gathers data. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you use this data and how you disseminate it. It's uh, it's a great question. And what I think our role is, is I don't do 
uh, data research, like I don't do surveys, and but what I have is someone that goes out and looks at all the reports that are out there, because mm -hmm. there's lots and lots of data out there. And part of the problem with data is how do you how do you access it? How do you I don't want to read a 14 page report. So to take it to digest it and then come up with a one sheet that says, okay, this is the impact of arts and culture in Brooklyn. This is how many organizations there are. This is how many public schools we're in. This is how many senior centers we're in. Um, this is how many people we employ. So that when you meet with, you know, the borough president, you can say, this is your borough. This is why we're so important to your borough. Um, and that's, that's one of the main ways that we use it is that we use it ourselves in advocacy, but we also provide it. We're a membership organization. So like right now I'm reaching out to our members saying, you know, do you want to meet with your city council person? And when they say yes, I say, okay, here's, here's some handouts to give them. Here's some data sheets to give them. And because uh, electeds are so busy um, and they, are, they have to serve many constituencies, which is right, they don't have time to really do a deep dive. So if you can give them a cheat sheet that says, this is our economic impact, this is how, how we've improved education outcomes, et cetera, et cetera, then it's easy for them. And then they can use it when they're uh, talking to their colleagues. So mm -hmm. that's, that's, I think, our role is sort of digesting and providing mm -hmm. easy to use sheets. Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the structure of your organization. You said you're a membership-based organization. Talk to us about some of your members and how they participate. Great. Um, we are growing it. I, I, the, the whole organization is now one full-time person, that's me, and two part-time people. <laughs> Uh, who are fabulous, <laughs> and we do an, we're doing an extraordinary amount, right? We produce those eight city council forums. We were like, "Whoa, this is a lot." But um, we're growing, and and that's good. Um, we do have a membership of uh, uh, nearly three hundred uh, arts and culture groups and individual artists and supporters of the arts. Um, anyone can join. Um, we have membership dues, but right now, because of COVID, it's free. So if you'd like to join go to nyforca.org and you can join. Um, we, you get a weekly uh, email uh, update, which sometimes has sort of action alerts, things you can do, sometimes has information about grants that are available, right? We just had a new announcement about the New York City Artist Corps. They're spending 25 million, which is amazing um, to employ artists this summer. So, um, you know, so it has that kind of uh, information about opportunities that are available as well. Um, and then we do a series of what I call cultural convenings, where I invite everybody to get together either on Zoom or back before in the before time, we got together in person. Um, and we talk about what issues are important to, and we do them by borough, to Staten Island cultural groups, to the Bronx cultural groups, Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan. Um, and to say, you know, what's, what, what policy issues are important, right? Um, do we need different uh, policies regarding developers so that arts and culture groups and low wealth people don't get pushed out of a neighborhood once it's, you know, start to be a, a, a trendy neighborhood, right? So those are, are some issues that we try and deal with on our policy platform. And we will do those convenings once a year and hear from everybody and develop a policy platform that lives on our website. Um, and then that provides my sort of guiding star 
<laughs> all the work that I'm doing? Is, is it advancing what the field told me is important to them? So, um, and then I will reach out in budget season and at other times to uh, invite people to meet with their elected officials, um, to testify at a city council hearing. If you don't, if you never testified at a city council hearing, I provide a worksheet on how to do it and what, what's effective. I'll help you sign up, et cetera. So just kind of helping people who may have never engaged in advocacy with, with elected officials and helping you know how to do that, giving you the data sheets or whatever that can make it an effective thing for you, for your organization and for your artwork. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I want to go back to the individual membership. I mean, you mentioned that it's free now. And so tell our audience for the artists who may be looking at this show, if you join the organization, what benefits can you get from it? Because we really want people to become a part of this organization and help it to do all the things that it's trying to do for artists in general. Absolutely. Individual artists in particular, it is hard to engage in advocacy because you're a gig worker and you're mm -hmm. working mm -hmm. um, and you might have time to make a few meetings here and there, but then things fall apart and you're just doing what you do and trying to, you know, make ends meet. Um, so I think it's particularly valuable for uh, individual artists so that when the city council is doing hearing on, I think they had a hearing uh, two months ago on, um, you know, how can the city better support um, BIPOC and queer individual artists? And I was like, okay, here you go, artists. Here's the, the hearing, which you may not have heard about. Um, here's how you can register to testify. Uh, here's, here's what will be effective. And it was a fantastic hearing. Um, and, and it's time that they started paying attention to the livelihood of individual artists. I mentioned the Artist Corps. Again, it's a grant program. If you want to know how to apply for it, uh, you know, you, you'll get uh, weekly emails telling you how to, how to access these $5,000 grants this summer. Um, so, and I think that one thing that uh, our focus next year in New York for Culture and Arts actually is to develop uh, an individual artist advocacy wing so that we'll have that in particular so that we have more engagement because it's easier for organizations. So the first couple of years I've been more sort of focused on organizations and now it's really like, okay, how do we do the deep dive to really engage individual artists and get them in conversation, hear what's important to them hear what struggles they're having in terms of, you know, finding affordable rehearsal space or, um, you know, performing. I'm doing an advocacy right now about permitting because I know that a lot of uh, individual artists, you know, perform, you know, on the street or wherever you can and to make some money, et cetera. Um, and how can we make that permitting process more affordable and easier for individual artists to do it? So, but the more I hear from artists about what they need and what their, you know, concerns on the ground are, um, then it's then I can go ahead and work on that since I think artists don't have the time to do that on a daily basis. Okay, that was uh, that was interesting information. It sounds like the individual artists can actually use this organization as a resource, and if there are any major issues that are common to all artists, that you can assist in getting information for that. So that's a, a great benefit for them to join the organization. Absolutely. I'm going to add one more thing, which mm -hmm. is that we are now having weekly New Yorkers for Culture and Arts calls, advocacy calls, um, and anyone is the all the members are welcome to join. So let's just say something comes up for you this week, and you know you're you're having an issue, and you're you're struggling with a developer, or you're struggling with your landlord, or you're noticing that um, you know all the artists in your 
uh, network are experiencing something, you can come on the call and say and raise that issue so that, you know, bring it to our attention immediately. So it's a nice place for just a regular, you don't have to come every week. No one can come every week, but it's there every week if you want to either hear what we're doing or if you want to bring up a subject that's important. Mm, that's great. That's great. So before we kind of close out, just in your words, tell us why culture and arts is so important to the life of New York City. You know, we are so identified with arts and culture, right? When people think of arts and they, you know, it's always what is what is on the on the poster, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Music and dance and museums and uh, uh, endless, you know, expressions of art that, that this city is known for. Um, but I think what's important to me is that, you know, there was a study, we talked about data um, called the Social Impact of the Arts Project. And it literally showed that in neighborhoods with robust cultural assets, the kids had better education outcomes, people lived longer, they had better mental health, they had more community strength, it actually made the community safer. So I think that we cannot uh, overestimate how important uh, local arts and culture groups are to the community, to the neighborhood, for people to know that there's a place to gather, to hear stories, to express yourself, to maybe tell your own story. Um, and also, you know, that is what leads the economy, not just of the city and tourism, which it does, but also the local economy, right? If there's a, if there's a spoken word cafe, all of a sudden people are stopping in the bar next door and they're on the street. So they'll stop at the deli on the corner and, you know, it, it brings people to the street. It brings people to local businesses and it drives local economies. And all of a sudden it becomes, you know, oh, that's my neighborhood and I can make a living there and we're doing okay. So um, it's important on, on, on any number fronts. I will also just add that in this time, as we recover from what has happened to us this year, I mean, I don't think we've even begun to, 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 to really uh, see the size of the trauma that we've all been through, right? And the number of people that were lost, the number of kids that lost parents, grandparents, um, you know, it's, it's, it's intense. And so the kids are gonna need it when they return to school. They're gonna to need to do something besides math and science. They're gonna need places to run around and dance and do music and express themselves and find one, some way to process and express what has, uh, it was a great thing. There was a city council candidate and he was a Uber driver activist. Hmm. Right? And I can't remember his name, I'm so sorry to say, but, um, and, and he said, you know, they said to him, you know, why is arts and culture important? He said, well, it's because we're going to need it to figure out how to have joy again. And I was like, what a perfect thing to say. Wow. We need it to figure out how to have joy again. And so I think in this time, it's going to be absolutely critical in terms of helping us heal, not only recover economically, but emotionally. Great. I totally, totally agree. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. So before we sign off, I'd like to ask my guests during this pandemic, during the shutdown, what were you streaming? What was one of your favorite shows to watch? Share that with the audience. Oh, I'm terrible because I'm not a good watcher. <laughs> I, I have been working so hard because as soon as we went into shutdown, of course, all the arts and culture groups were like, what are we doing? I'm going to fall off the ledge here. So we were having these daily calls and I was working more than I ever have in my life. So I would get to the end of the day, turn on the news and fall asleep to it. Um, <laughs> I will lift up a couple of things. There were a couple of documentaries um, that I loved. 
and that I would advise folks to watch um, about culture. Um, one was called Mr. Soul, and it was about, a, do you know this, this program? Yes, I, I know I the filmmaker. I know the filmmaker, yes, yes. It's, ama it's an amazing film. And it was totally based out of New York City. It was before Soul Train. They had activists, poets. Oh, it's amazing, yes. Yes, it was a, a show on Channel 13 on our local uh, channel. And uh, boy, I would love to give anything to have that show on right now that really centers, you know, Black culture and activism and art. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. And similarly, another thing that even growing up in New York, I didn't know about, but um, Questlove's new film, Summer of Soul. I haven't seen that yet, but I plan on checking yeah. that out. Mm -hmm. And that is the, the footage from the 1969 Harlem Arts Celebration, where you have like a young Stevie Wonder, you know, all these amazing musicians coming together in the streets of Harlem for this incredible, you know, arts explosion. And I'm like, why did we not know about that? Why do I know about Woodstock and not about <laughs> this amazing with equally famous uh, musicians? So anyway, check it out. It's, it's pure joy. Thank you so much, Lucy, for joining us and telling us about your wonderful organization. Repeat again where they can get more information about New Yorker for Culture and Arts. Absolutely. Uh, our website is the letters NY, then the number four, and then CA.org. So NY4CA.org, New Yorkers for Culture and Arts.org. And you can watch the forum that you did. We have recordings of it. So we have recordings of the candidate forums and answers to the candidate questionnaires and lots of information that I hope you'll find useful. And I hope you'll you'll join us and become a member and, and figure out what we do and see if it's it's useful to you. I think I think you will find it uh, useful. So I hope hope everybody joins. Thank you for sharing with us all the wonderful advocacy work that New Yorkers for Culture and Arts does for the community. And to our audience, thank you for tuning in. And until next week, consider yourself Blacklit.